Welcome into Words with Wallace. I am your host, Nick Wallace, coming at you. It is Tuesday, December 5th. Little morning pod, man. This is a morning reaction to the first night of the NBA in-season tournament quarterfinals, in which, of course, is why you're all here, I'm sure, included the Boston Celtics getting eliminated by the Indiana Pacers in a really tough game on the road. This was a tough morning for me, man. I I didn't think I would be sitting here doing a reaction pod to the Celtics getting bounced, but it does. It, it felt significant, man, and we're going to talk all about that. We're also going to break down a little bit of Pelicans-Kings as well and give our predictions for the rest of this NBA in-season tournament, which is, of course, concluding in just a few days. It's going to be an action-packed week, so a lot to talk about, man. Let's get into it. First and foremost, again, congrats to the Indiana Pacers for advancing to the semifinals as well as the New Orleans Pelicans. While both those teams got some really great victories last night, I would say... The real winner of last night was Adam Silver and the NBA as a, as a whole. Let me just say that the atmosphere of those games last night was incredible. Now, obviously, I wasn't there. I was just watching at home from the couch. But I think you could tell that it was two incredible fan bases getting home games, despite neither of those teams being top three seeds within their own conference. You know, that was a playoff game atmosphere. Maybe it won't be the same effect in night two when we get maybe less rowdy fan bases. I guess we'll have to see. But either way, those fans in Indiana and those fans in Sacramento are known for being great fan bases. And the place was rocking, and it definitely felt like a playoff game. I love how the NBA has structured it this week. Like, if you look at the game schedule, you know, not just last night, not just today on December 5th, but really the rest of the week, you know, these NBA in-season tournament games, they're the only games on on those days. So again, last night on Monday, tonight on Tuesday, uh, on Thursday, and then I believe on Saturday, the only NBA games on in those slates will be in-season tournament games. So there is going to be a lot of attention around it. Almost has like a mini all-star break type of vibe because a lot of these teams that aren't in the in-season tournament are getting multiple days off this week. And I think there's even a, a, a day or two where, in which there's no games entirely, which again, just makes the impact of this in-season tournament feel more significant. And now, why is this, right? Because I wasn't somebody that, you know, I wasn't necessarily down on the in-season tournament, but I wasn't particularly bullish on how this was all going to work out. And what I missed the mark on and what many other people in NBA media have missed the mark on was I think on the impact of what that $500,000 to all the winning players represented, right? Obviously, $500,000 is life-changing money for somebody like myself and probably many people listening to this podcast. But for NBA players, the, the general consensus before this in-season tournament started was like, hey, these guys are making $20 million, $30 million, $40, $50, $50 even $60 million annually. So why are they motivated by just an extra half a million dollars in their paycheck? Because A, that's still significant money, but B... You know, there's a lot of guys on these NBA teams, right? Like, an NBA is obviously, and basketball as a whole, it's, it's a star-driven sport, right? We think about LeBron, we think about KD, we think about the headliners on, each, on all of these teams. But what we're not thinking about are the guys, you know, 5 through 13 on a roster that maybe are only making, a, you know, I say only, but making a million dollars a year, two million dollars a year, four, five, six million dollars a year. Even for them, you know, half a million dollars is significant, right? Like, while an extra 500K might not be a, a really significant motivator for a guy like Jason Tatum, you know, it damn sure is for a guy like Luke Cornett, who uh, I know Brian Scalabrini on the broadcast a couple games ago mentioned that if the Celtics won the in-season tournament, uh, backup center Luke Cornett was going to use that money to pay off his mortgage, which I, I bet he's telling the truth, right? Like, it's it really is significant, and even those star players that might not be that financially driven by that, 
they still share a locker room with with those uh, you know bench players, if you will, that still really want that money. Like I think Devin Booker had a quote within the past week that he's like, "Yeah, I just you know I want to win this tournament. I want to get that money for the guys in the locker room. Like those guys are there every day in practice. Those guys are there uh, playing quality minutes in, in NBA rotation. So I think because that money is and it's not just the money, right? There's also like you know the the accolades, all the attention on this in season tournament this week, like we had just talked about, and just the fact that these guys are naturally you know some of the most competitive dudes in the entire world, right? That's why they're in the position that they're in. You know, all that combined with the financial impact of that half a million dollars for every winning player, that is why the players care. And now we are seeing that in full display uh, with the NBA quarter or the NBA in season tournament quarterfinals taking place last night. You know, we can see that the fans care about it too, right? Because as long as the players care, we are going to care because the product that we are getting is far better than a normal regular in season game. Like, I woke up this morning and it it sucked. Like I was really really bummed last night. I felt like the Celtics just got, you know, lost a playoff game. I'm not going to say got bounced from the playoffs. That's a different type of grief that I I obviously am not feeling right now. But I was really looking forward to this week, man. I was looking forward to hopefully having the Celtics catch a dub last night and then watching them again on Thursday. If things went right, watching them again on Saturday. I feel like I was robbed of two really exciting national TV games for my favorite team. And yeah, it definitely might even weaken the Celtics' notoriety around the league, right? Maybe people don't you know, regard them as highly after losing to the Pacers. Who knows? I don't really care as much about that. Uh, but I was bummed, man. It definitely felt like our my team lost a playoff game and it's it's not even Christmas yet right like you know this time last year casual fans were not even tuning in uh, until Christmas and and for most of the past several seasons I feel like so again the stakes were low for this in-season tournament because not a lot of people cared about basketball in November and December anyway and here we are man so first and foremost I wanted to tip my cap to the NBA for for putting on a really fantastic night of basketball last night hopefully we have more of that to come let's get into it let's get into a reaction of the Celtics game the first game last night the Pacers beat the Celtics 122 to 112 I think the headliner of this game has to be Tyrese Halliburton right of course the point guard for the Indiana Pacers he had 26 points 13 assists 10 boards and he was I would say pretty comfortably the best player on the court last night let me just pound my chest real quick and just say like hey my bad like I I was never a Tyrese Halliburton hater by any means I never thought the guy sucked but I definitely never gave him the respect that he deserved and I I was wrong about him when I did my ranking the top 10 point guards in the NBA list this past offseason over the summer I didn't even have Tyrese Halliburton on there I probably had him as like an honorable mention just because you know the point guard position is loaded and everything like that and I you know, just kind of attributed it to like, hey, I want to see a little bit more, you know, success in the playoffs. I wanted to see him play for a winning team. I knew his stats were good, whatever. But no, I was definitely wrong. He definitely belongs on that list. And if anything, he's probably looking at at being a top five point guard right about now, especially depending on how Indiana does in the rest of this in-season tournament. So was wrong about that. I didn't take him at at the 10-11 turn in my fantasy basketball draft. That's been a huge mistake. The guy's a monster in fantasy too. So let me just say like, yeah, I was was wrong on that. I definitely acknowledged how good he was even before last Last night, but still, that was uh, an eye-opening moment for me. I think they had mentioned that it was Halliburton's first game on TNT in his entire career. So obviously, shows that he hasn't got a lot of shine in primetime either. So I'm sure a lot of people learned about Tyrese Halliburton last night as well. Uh, but wanted to start off by saying, hey, hey, my bad on that. But in general, I felt like the Celtics played really solid defense on Tyrese Halliburton, and it just it didn't matter. Right. I mean, you have two of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, especially for guards and um, Drew Holiday and Derek White and, and Jalen Brown even switching on him from time to time. And like it, 
you know, he, he made some really tough shots, especially from deep. And obviously the playmaking was on full display as well. His night was really just capped off by an absolutely insane four-point play on a really tough foul from Jalen Brown with, with about a minute and a half left. The game was tied at that point. And once you make a four-point play of that difficulty at home uh, when the game is tied, like that really just took the, the air out of the Celtics. And um, I knew at that point the game was basically over. So what a game for him. Uh, it was also a little bit of, of salt in the wound from like an Aaron Neesmith revenge game for the Pacers, right? He chipped in 14 points, and I know he's actually been a really solid contributor for the Pacers last year as well as this year. Obviously, it stings. He was in the Celtics rotation a couple years ago. I believe the Celtics drafted him, right? So uh, it does sting because we could always use a guy like that if he's going to play that well. You know, one time he literally caught it in the corner and just like took Jason Tatum right to the basket and put in like a ridiculous, you know, kind of floater in the lane over him, which was nuts. So that that didn't feel great just in general you know the pacers play extremely fast and that's proven with their league leading 128 points per game which also included a 157 point effort a couple weeks ago against the hawks again they scored 157 against the hawks with no overtime so obviously i like i wasn't taking this team lightly heading into this matchup especially with them having the home court advantage like Again, that's just kind of adds to the fun and excitement of this in-season tournament is having, you know, a lower seed with a significantly worse record with the Celtics have home court advantage for a game like that. But it was it was really tough to stop. You know, in general, it wasn't necessarily a blowout by any means. There were 16 lead changes throughout. I really would have enjoyed it. I feel like the casual fan, the neutral fan definitely enjoyed the Celtics game more so than the other game last night because it was really great and really back and forth. I obviously didn't enjoy it at all because I was just stressed about the Celtics the entire time. I think a guy that I should mention as well is Rick Carlisle, right? He has these guys hooping and playing extremely confident, uh, especially on the offensive end of the court. Like, Every single guy on that roster, when they catch the ball, they are looking to attack. They are looking to create for themselves. They are looking to score. And it's dangerous, right? You don't often see teams that have their, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth best player, you know, consistently looking to score when they get the ball. Normally, there's only like, you know, two to four guys on a roster that have that mindset every time they catch it. It genuinely feels like... Indiana has that with, you know, Bruce Brown and Halliburton and, you know, Buddy Heald and, and Neesmith. And then, you know, obviously Matherin off the bench. He was a, a bucket and a, and a really great player um, from his rookie season last year. So it, I just got to tip my cap to them because they just are a really tough team to stop offensively. Anyway, defensively, there's still some question marks, you know, in general, but the Celtics still had, you know, a, a pretty successful night on defense all around. Like, I, I don't want to, you know. Uh, pat them on the back too much, but holding them to 122 for Indiana is is actually a pretty solid effort, all things considered. You know, the difference in the game for the Celtics just came down to them shooting 20% worse from three and then turning it over 11 more times than the Pacers, like just being really sloppy with the basketball. Uh, you can't afford to do that against a team that has, you know, plays with that much pace and, and is able to, you know, create and punish you in transition like that. I thought Jalen Brown had a really nice game throughout, especially early on in the game. Tatum was solid as well. It wasn't like they, you know, I'm sure people are going to make jokes about how they choked it and they lost to the Pacers and whatever, but I, I wasn't, you know, super displeased with either of their efforts. It would have been nice to see them, you know, maybe limit the turnovers a bit more and knock down a couple more open threes, but that just didn't happen. You know, that's going to happen from time to time. Uh, also on the Celtics side, Sam Hauser did have a good game, so that made me feel a little bit better about the Neesmith situation. Hopefully, Hauser continued to provide solid bench minutes um, at that wing position, just like Neesmith would have. I thought he had a nice game with 15 points. You know, Drew was also kind of a killer for us. Tough, tough game for him offensively anyways. But that being said, I felt like the, the biggest difference maker for the Celtics was obviously no Porzingis, right? Maybe I... 
you know, buried the lead a little bit here, but um, not having him was tough. Not having him was tough. And, and we kind of knew this about this team, right? Like, I don't think this is a team that is going to win the NBA Finals or even make it to the NBA Finals if they don't have Kristaps Porzingis, especially with, you know, Al Horford, you know, not contributing much in his absence. Luke Cornett, um, you know, was a part of the reason why they were, uh, the Celtics kind of fell apart a little bit in the third quarter because we're trying to survive, you know, some tough bench minutes there. We just don't have the big depth to support not having Kristaps. Again, I've been saying it all season. I think we need to go out and get a backup center, um, somebody that's a little bit more competent than Cornett to eat up those minutes. But Either way, that's just kind of how the team goes, right? If Kristaps is out there, um, we're going to be as good as anybody. I do think we win that game last night, and I think we would beat Indiana in a seven-game series either way if Kristaps is out there. But it's just still a game that's really frustrating for the Celtics to lose. They shouldn't lose to a Pacers team with the amount of big game experience that Tatum and Brown have on their own. Um, so it is super disappointing, but again, I tip my cap to the Pacers because I felt like it was two evenly matched teams going at it all night, uh, and the Pacers just got the better of us. So... With that, let's move on to the second game last night. It was the New Orleans Pelicans at the Sacramento Kings. The Pelicans ended up pulling out the win, 127-117. to uh, The Kings came out the gate firing, man. Again, that atmosphere in Sacramento was on full display in the first quarter. I think they had, like, doubled their score at, like, 30-15 to 15, uh, at some point early on in that first quarter. But after that first, you know, the, the Pelicans had a strong close to that first quarter, and then it was basically all Pelicans the rest of the way. It was a really nice game from Brandon Ingram. He was definitely the star of this game. 30 points, 8 boards, 6 assists on a night where Zion really couldn't get it going. Zion only had 10 points, 4 turnovers, and didn't even attempt any free throws. So, he, you know, the, the Kings did a pretty good job of slowing down Zion on that end. It was really just a nice reminder for the Pelicans that like, hey, they are a super tough team to beat when they have everybody healthy. I know that that's a big caveat. And we've been and I've been saying for a very long time that the Pelicans have a lot of dudes on that roster is almost to their detriment. They have a ton of guys and they just had the added boost of getting back CJ McCollum from a long absence. Trey Murphy, that was only his second game of the entire season last night. Uh, I believe Jose Alvarado, he always seems to be out. I feel like they just got him back recently. But I think this Pelicans roster really makes sense when everybody's out there, right? Like, CJ McCollum is still a bucket no matter how many times people put him in trade rumors, right? And and sadly, that might be the case uh, even moving forward the rest of the season. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, obviously, I love Trey Murphy. He was one of my, my guys heading into the season. And massive game from Herb Jones. He chipped in like 23 points. He was a monster on both ends of the court. Um, they just have a lot of different guys that they can throw at you, especially at the wing position there. Um, a DNP on the Pelicans side of things from rookie Jordan Hawkins. That's actually super surprising with how well he's been playing lately. Um, I know I just mentioned them getting a lot of guys back, so somebody has to, you know, get the short end of that stick and, and resort to playing a little bit playing a little bit less anyways. But I just felt like Jordan Hawkins, with how good he's looked as a rookie, you know, definitely deserves to be out there. So that's really the only thing that makes me think the Pelicans might actually make a move at some point because, again, there there is no business with how good Jordan Hawkins has been having him get a DNP. Again, maybe it's because it's a playoff-type atmosphere and the Pelicans were taking it really seriously. But, again, they just have a lot of guys. The Kings got their usual production from their key players, right? Guys like De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, Keegan Murray. Really great game from Malik Monk off the bench. I feel like he's just been straight-up better uh, than Kevin Herter for a while now. But still, I think Herter probably gives you a little bit more defensively. And, you know, Monk is that, that quintessential spark off the bench and seems to always play better in big games. So really, it was just a good game back and forth. I felt like the Pelicans just looked like the better team last night. You know, again, most people on the Kings played well besides Harrison Barnes, who was, you know, just out there getting like 35 minutes of cardio uh, without really contributing much in the box score. So um, that was kind of my reaction on the Pelicans-Kings game. 
But with there being a significant amount of this in-season tournament left, uh, obviously anything can happen, right? I want to preface this by saying this is one game, right? This is the March Madness of the NBA. It is not a seven-game series where the better team is, is going to win more times than not. Who really knows what's going to happen in this in-season tournament? But in the interest of it being, you know, December basketball that we all really care about, I did want to go through and give you my predictions for the rest of this in-season tournament. Super risky is, again, I'm recording this on Tuesday morning, and by the time uh, this comes out and a lot of you guys listen to it, uh, these games on Tuesday night might have already happened, and maybe I'm already wrong on two of these, but we're going to let it fly either way and kind of give my predictions the rest of the way, obviously having the advantage of knowing what took place on Monday night already. You know, the first game that is tonight on Tuesday the 5th is going to be the Bucks versus the Knicks. The Bucks have home court in this one. I am going to take the Bucks in this one. Uh, I would say the early season reports of the Bucks' demise were greatly exaggerated, right? Um, they've kind of bounced back in a big way. I think they're second and third in the East right now. I'm really just not impressed what I've seen from the New York Knicks this season. Obviously, I still love Brunson. Randall was absolutely brutal to start the season. He is starting to turn it around, uh, but not a huge leap from R.J. Barrett so far from what I've seen. And I just feel like the Bucks have owned this matchup over the past couple years. Uh, and between that and the home court advantage, and assuming we're going to see the, see the same amount of effort from the Bucs as we did from all the teams last night. I would say the Bucs have a pretty comfortable win tonight. Uh, moving on to game two tonight, this is this is the one I'm really looking forward to, right? This might be the most exciting game of the entire in-season tournament. Suns versus Lakers. I believe the Lakers do have the home court advantage in this one. I'm going to move forward by taking the Phoenix Suns. Durant and Booker have been playing as good as really any duo in the NBA. Obviously saying that because Jamal Murray has been out uh, a huge chunk of this season, but I, I still have to give the nod to Booker and Durant in that one. Uh, but there are real question marks with Phoenix's supporting cast, uh, especially uh, without Bradley Beal tonight and possibly without Eric Gordon as well. Um, it just kind of remains to be seen what they're going to get from the, the rest of that roster kind of filling in the depth pieces there. Um, the Lakers have kind of been a similar story, to be honest with you. Obviously, they improved their roster pretty significantly over the offseason. Uh, but that being said, they've still relied on, on LeBron James and Anthony Davis a lot more than you would want to. Uh, will we get the good or bad version of Anthony Davis on offense? That also kind of remains to be seen. We know we're going to get that elite defensive presence from AD either way. So I'm just going to kind of ride with the, the duo I feel better about right now, and that is Booker and Durant. So that's what I'm going to do for my pick with the second game tonight. Moving on to the semifinals on Thursday, obviously assuming both of my picks on the Tuesday games are correct, we have the Bucks versus the Pacers. Just as a reminder, these semifinal games taking place on Thursday are going to be in Las Vegas. Bucks versus Pacers, I think this is where some of the magic for the Pacers falls off. I am going to pick the Bucks in this one. Um, obviously, I, I think that there's going to be, it's going to be a huge test for the Bucks, right? This is not going to be an easy win. Same way I felt about it for the Celtics. The Pacers can put up points on everybody. And I would say that Milwaukee's defense has been much more vulnerable than Boston's this season. They obviously don't have the elite defensive presence in Drew Holiday anymore. They also don't have a, another guy like Derek White, who the Celtics had the luxury of being able to throw at Halliburton for stretches last night as well. So who knows? I could see the Pacers running away with it, but I just think that Giannis kind of asserts his will on this one. You know, the Pacers aren't able to come up with enough key stops to beat the Bucks, So I'm going to pick the Bucks on Thursday. Moving on to the next matchup in the semifinals, this would be Pelicans versus Suns. I'm actually going to take the Pelicans in this one, man. If you guys remember, I feel like the Pelicans and the Suns met, what, was that 
two years ago in the playoffs. I just feel like the Pelicans always play the Suns really close. And I think it's genuinely a, a terrible matchup for Phoenix against this current Pelicans team. Like I just mentioned, the supporting cast for Phoenix is, is questionable at best. And so when you mix in that combined with the amount of wing depth and uh, impressive defenders that the Pelicans are going to be able to throw at guys like Devin Booker, at guys like Kevin Durant, uh, I just like the Pelicans in this matchup, man. On a neutral court, one game, anything can happen. I'm going to roll with the Pels. And that would ultimately lead us to the championship on Saturday. In this scenario, my if all my picks hit, I will have Bucks versus Pelicans. And I'm just kind of going with my gut like, on this one. Obviously, we're a few games away from this. I'm actually going to take the Pelicans to go all the way in this in-season tournament. It doesn't really feel right at this point in time when I record on Tuesday morning that uh, one of the actual contenders heading into the season is going to win this in-season tournament. I feel like it almost exists to just, you know, have a weird team like an Indiana or a New Orleans come away with the whole thing. So I'm just going to kind of trust the crazy vibes around this Pelicans team, and it could be a really fun scenario where the, the Pelicans are suddenly getting a lot of national attention um, if they're able to win this in-season tournament and just show everybody that, like, hey, we're, we haven't been all healthy together in April and May quite yet, but if, we're, if we are, you know, watch out because we're healthy right now. They're playing good basketball. I am just going to kind of go with my gut and say that the Pelicans are going to win this whole thing. So... That just about does it for me, guys. Again, just wanted to give you my immediate reaction to night one of the NBA in-season tournament quarterfinals. My reaction to the Celtics coming up short, super disappointed in that, but I'm slowly getting over it. Um, hopefully, I'll feel a little bit better about it as the day goes on, but I really doubt it. I am just super excited to watch this either way. I I'm so excited for the games tonight, super excited for the semis on Thursday and ultimately the championship on Saturday. This is just a really, a really fun basketball week that we didn't have before, guys. So I think the league nailed it with this one. Obviously, next podcast, we will do a larger reaction to uh, the rest of the quarterfinals, the in-season tournament semifinals, and ultimately the championship on my next podcast. So I will talk to you guys then. Before I let you go, though, be sure to follow at Words with Wallace on everything. That includes YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're notified whenever I drop a new episode. And I will talk to you guys next week, guys. Peace.